Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 290 of Selling the Couch. I hope that you are doing well and having a good day. Uh, it's, uh, you know, that if you are in a part of the country where there are... Uh, proper changing of the seasons. I hope that this transition is going well for you. We are actually feeling the wonderful effects of fall weather and uh, getting ready to do our traditional apple picking adventures in a local orchard. Actually, there's a couple of different orchards, so we're getting really excited. Our little one asked uh, us the other day, you know, Mama, Dada, when are we going apple picking? And, you know, she's already got it on her schedule. So I hope that you're doing well and uh, get some adventures scheduled as well. Today's podcast session, I know typically I do a solo episodes on these last weeks, but to be honest, this episode felt really relevant given the time that we live in now. And uh, I just decided to do a little bit of an audible So today's podcast episode is actually on long hauler COVID and private practice. I'm joined by Robert Cox, who's out in Kentucky. His website is tjrecovery.com, and that's the Tristan Jevin Center for Recovery. And Robert actually contracted COVID uh, December of last, last December. And so it's been about nine months And about three to four weeks in, Robert noticed that his symptoms got a little bit better, but then the symptoms kind of just continued. And you'll hear it more in this conversation, but we're actually just speaking about what it's been like for Robert to deal and to be diagnosed with long-term COVID symptoms, uh, navigating this as a private practitioner with regard to scheduling clients. How much do you disclose to clients? What do you say All of those kind of things is what we're talking about in today's podcast session. This, I wanted to do this episode because whether, you know, some of us may have, you know, if we're vaccinated, we may get a breakthrough case, or if we're not vaccinated, uh, we end up with COVID, or we may have clients that are dealing with these kind of symptoms or loved ones. And I just wanted more than anything just to have a like a non-academic conversation about this, more of real-world experience of what it's like. And so we'll get right to today's podcast session. Here's my conversation with Robert Cox from tjrecovery.com. Hey, friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April 
with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Hey, Robert, welcome back to Selling the Couch. Thanks, Melvin. It's been a long time since I've been on a podcast. I'm glad to come back on yours. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for this time and this space. This topic that we're talking about, it's such an interesting thing because one, I feel like there is like this weird stigma around just generally if you contract COVID. And then there's also this thing around like long haul COVID and all of these things, right? I was asking you, like, I was like, hey, Robert, I don't know how I'm going to actually start this conversation. So I was just going to tell you, like, maybe I'll just start it with like, I mean, long hauler COVID, like. Yeah, it's, it's not nearly as masculine as that sounds. It's not nearly as fun as that sounds. Like I sound like a tough guy, you know, yeah, I'm a long hauler, but I'm not. <laughs> so, I mean, before we dive into the, the, you know, the meat of this conversation, again, I, I know that most, most, if not all of us who are listening to this episode know what COVID is definitely, but imagine know what long haul COVID is, but I was wondering if you could even just start there for those of us that may not know, because I feel like there's so much stuff I'm learning, right? So what exactly is long haul COVID or what is a COVID long hauler? So for, you know, COVID is COVID. We know what that involves for the most part. But for some of us, even though the disease, we're not carriers anymore and we can't transmit it, it hangs around, whether it's the virus itself that hangs around in the body or it just has such an effect on us that we have symptoms you end up having long-term symptoms that can be really varied in, and in some people, and this is what I'm concerned about, it can cause heart problems. Lately, it's caused like dementia-like fog for me almost. And, you know, they're calling it COVID brain now, but it's really just like a fog in your head. It's almost like having dementia. I am easily exhausted physically. Now, I am not exactly a great physical specimen anyway. It's not like I'm going to be running any marathons anytime soon. But there's definitely a difference in my energy level that I just, I am wiped so easily. I used to love to hike, even as big as I am. I used to love to hike in the woods. And now I've got 10, 15 minutes of just easy walking in me before I have to sit down and catch my wind. I overheat easily. My wife is like, oh my God, you're covered in sweat at night. I'll wake up. Night sweats are really bad, you know? Um, so the symptoms can be really varied, but they are definitely there. And so, I mean, just being a, a survivor, I've, I've got my doctor concerned. And so I've been referred to a cardiologist for several heart tests. And I've been referred to a neurologist in October to see how maybe it's affected my brain. Right. So, and then I have doctors like trying to get me into a COVID study at KU Med Center, you know, so it's not been fun. It's been doable, you know, but it's taken a lot of kind of rearranging the way I do things to account for it. You said a lot of like really good things there. And maybe like one thing I'll start out, you said, you know, you used to be able to hike and do a lot of hiking. So 
said now you're kind of exhausted after 10, 15 minutes. How long, just to give us context, like how much could you hike before? Oh, pretty considerable. I mean, you know, it was always like, okay, I'll sit and take a break, but that didn't take place for, you know, 30, 45 minutes in or something. Part of it's also my knees need to be replaced. So that's had an effect, I can say. But the, just the physical exhaustion, you know, I used to be able to go out and work in the wood shop most of the day and not be terribly exhausted. And now it's maybe an hour or two, and then it's time for a break, right? And I mean, just real break. Okay. Yeah. So what I keep hearing is that like the, any sort of like, like any sort of like you're, you're exerting yourself in any sort of way, it seems to cause just a level of exhaustion that you didn't have before. And, you know, it's uh, one thing it's done for me is really raised my level of empathy for people who are struggling with like dementia and things like that, because it's amazing how exhausting just the mental aspect can be. Right. I wanted to kind of take a step back. So just to even give us context. So when did you contract COVID? And then at that point, like what was, what was your like um, vaccination status, any of those kind of things, just to give us a little bit of context. So I made the mistake of raising unselfish children in the world. And my daughter got COVID and decided she should share it with me. (laughs) And that was in December of last year. I joked that I wanted a new Mac and Santa brought me COVID instead. I must've been on the naughty list. Right. So, and I was already signed up to get the vaccine. It just wasn't readily available at that time. And so before I could, I I think I was supposed to get it like the first of January, but, and I was on the A list, like as a healthcare provider, I was eligible to be one of the first in the area to get it. So I was signed up for that because a lot of my work is with like deep trauma and I prefer to do it face to face if I can. And so in December, like right before Christmas, I ended up with COVID and it was a pretty, pretty hard fought battle. I first few days I was kind of in almost, I don't panic, but I was almost in panic mode because I have asthma and I'm obviously not in shape. And I thought, oh, I'm going to end up with a tube down my throat in the hospital. So I was doing three and four breathing treatments a day with a nebulizer machine and cramming a bunch of, I did, you know, I'm a research hound. So I researched what seemed to work and what didn't crammed all of those minerals and vitamins in my system that I had heard would work. And that seemed to, that and Flonase seemed to be a godsend at that point. And that seemed to keep me out of the hospital, but it was not a fun ride for almost three weeks. When your daughter first got COVID, did she have symptoms? Like, how did you? Yeah, she got sick. Her symptoms were a little different than mine, but fatigue was the number one thing. You know, it just was like, it's like having the flu times 10. It's just really, really not a fun ride at all. So, you know, I've been able to convince a few people that I know who are close to me who were like, I don't know if I should get the vaccine or not. And I'm like, this is no joke. This is not something to trifle with, you know, so. Yeah, you're living and you have the lived experience with it. Yeah. So these three weeks, you said it was like brutal, right? And then when did you, I guess, I'm asking these like really naive questions because I genuinely want to know So. Yeah. So you had, I mean, you had these symptoms for three weeks and then after it sounds like at post three weeks, you continue to have symptoms, right? 
So when did this get to this point where you're like, oh my gosh, this, I wonder if this is like long haul COVID? Well, so it seemed to me by the end of January, this wasn't going anywhere soon. Meaning, meaning COVID or your symptoms? My symptoms from COVID. Yeah. The COVID, you know, generally from the research I've read, you're no longer infectious two or three weeks out. And I went and tested negative twice before I went back to work, you know, but I was like, there was a complication in this process in that on February 4th, my son died. And so it was very hard for me to parse out what was depression in that state and what was the exhaustion from the COVID. And it really took until mid-March before I could determine that this was more than just grief that I was going through, right? Because my brain was, uh, the grief made it significantly worse. And, you know, we're kind of a single income, lower middle class kind of family. So there was no option for me not to continue working if we wanted to stay afloat. So it was just, it took time for me to decide, hey, this is actually just like 90% long-term COVID at this point, right? And then I started seeing my doctor and talking about symptoms. So it probably was the end of March before I really could say, okay, I've got long-term COVID going on. That's what's going on with me. What was it like to, to, you know, understand that abstractly, but then to like really come to terms with it? Well, it was, you know, I've always been the kind of guy that, you know, I mean, my father has Parkinson's, so my daughter's like really worried about me getting it. And I'm like, kiddo, we'll deal with that when it comes. There's there's no cure for it. You can't do anything to keep yourself from getting it. So if that happens, it happens. And that's kind of always been my attitude. And that was kind of the attitude I took about the long-term COVID was, okay, now I know what it is. What am I going to do about it? And so I had to really adjust the way I do things and what became apparent to me was, and in this way, it was kind of a blessing because it made me look at my life and go, you need to take another day off a week. Because I was at that point working six days a week, eight to 12 hours a day. (laughs) And so it was like, you know, you need another day off. So I, I rearranged my schedule and I began to rely on some of the tools out there that I'd always ignored, like my calendar system right? Because otherwise I was, I had, I missed a couple of appointments getting them on the calendar because normally I could sit and have a conversation with a client and make a few sparse notes and remember with great recall what we had talked about the next session, right? And that's kind of faded. It's much more difficult. It's difficult to, I have to really push myself to focus on the task at hand where I get kind of foggy. It's not really like ADHD brain. It's not like I get distracted by a squirrel or anything. It's more like I just blink out. It's almost like a dissociative response. Yeah. Right. And I think it's just so much stress on the brain that it just says, you know, vacation time. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine how hard that must be, especially for someone that I know, like, I mean, you have a great memory, you know, and just being able to like accurately remember things like that with clients. You said a couple of things earlier, and I wanted to kind of circle back. So you said the hard problems are the things that you're like really the most concerned with. And so tell me a little bit more about. It's just the level of exhaustion is intense. I mean, I can literally, 
I used to be able to walk a half mile, a mile, two miles without getting very tired in the woods, right? My knees would start to hurt because they need replacing, but I would not be like, and now I can't, it's a hundred yards and I am just like profusely sweating, breathing hard. My heart rate's up around 100, 170, 180 beats a minute, you know? And it's just way too, like the other day, my riding mower broke down and we've got like a one acre yard. And so I, I did the push mower, but I was like, 15 minutes in, I had to sit down and take a break. And my, my, I, my Apple watch tells me my heart rate's 179. That's after 15 minutes, you know? So I got it done, but I got it done in 15 minute segments, 15 minutes on, 15 minutes off, 15 minutes on, 15 minutes off, and was exhausted for the rest of the weekend. Uh, this might, again, might be a really silly question, but what is the, I guess, and I know this probably depends on each individual person, but what's the typical protocol for this? I mean, because these symptoms are just kind of there and they linger. And what is the thought? You know, that's the thing is that, and that's that, that was like, and you know, my, I have such a great, well, I see a nurse practitioner, but she's just so awesome. You know, shout out to Teresa short, but (laughs) thank you, Teresa. (laughs) She's, she's really awesome, you know, but you know, she feels so bad about it, but she's got no answers either because medical science doesn't have, this is a new thing, you know, this is a new thing. So we really don't know. So there is no like set protocol. They're trying to develop one as fast as they can, but it's really like by the seat of their pants, you know, just trying to, to do what they can. Um, protocol seems to me, but they're fighting insurance companies right now for this because my insurance company just denied the the cardiology tests that the cardiologist says I need. That is pretty typical. Refer to cardiologist when there seems to be a lot of exhaustion problems because it could be heart or lungs. It affects both. And so because it is a pneumonia virus, basically. So, you know, the cardiologist said we're going to run an EKG, which went fine. But then he said this problem a lot of times does not show up on a lot of tests until you get all the way down to like an MRI of the chest cavity and look at the heart and lungs. Well, the insurance company doesn't want to pay for that. And so, you know, it's it's this long prolonged battle, which makes it even harder to find out, am I okay? Am I not okay? Luckily, I've just not always been, but, you know, meditation helps. It really does. And, And 25 years of practicing meditation, you know, has taught me that just to exist in the moment and not get all caught up in what the might be's or the could be's, right? And so, I don't really get in that space. I just kind of, (laughs) my friend got so frustrated with me in grad school when I was not worried about the NCE at all, that she's like, Robert, some of us need more than a pulse to be okay. And I'm like, well, that sucks because if I've got a pulse, I'm okay, you know? (laughs) And so that's kind of been my attitude through this, but it, you know, it's not been a poor me thing. It's been a, a matter of really being able to adjust my lifestyle so that I can do, I mean, honestly, it was probably just yesterday or this week, last week, maybe that I felt fully back. And a good friend of mine who refers clients to me all the time and we go to lunches and stuff just last night on the phone, in fact, said, wow, it's nice to have you back, right? Because I'm just starting to get back into, and that lot of that was rearranging my schedule in such a way that I could continue the workload that I needed to continue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I props to you for doing that, you know, because I feel like, yeah, I mean, sometimes I, I mean, in this situation, definitely like life sort of, you know, 
caused that to happen. But I feel like, you know, just having that step to say, like, this is what I can do, you know, and re- and having that realization, I think it's amazing. Well, and it's been a, a really good learning curve for me. As odd as that sounds, it's been, I think if we stay present through the really horrible things in our life, they become a really good teaching moment for us. And this has certainly been one of those, like that it's okay to have limits, right? And that the world's not going to fall apart if I can't continue to work at full steam all the time. And that I really do need to take, pay better attention to my self-care. I thought I did that for the most part, but like since COVID, I've really taken the time to say, okay, the wife and I are going to get out into the woods at the lake for two or three days, at least once a month, right? And more often than that, if we can swing it. And so it's really helped me to put my priorities where I, I really wish they'd have been all along. Yeah, it is amazing how certain events kind of force us in different ways, you know. I wanted to shift a little bit to just talking about the practical parts of private practice and having these long hauler symptoms. Uh, First, uh, how much did you tell your clients about these symptoms? I'm pretty, if you've listened to my podcast, even though it's been evergreen forever, I'm a pretty open book. So, and I also felt like without becoming preachy or political or any of that junk, this could be a teaching moment for them too, right? Like take this seriously, really consider the vaccine, right? And me saying like, we're going to mask up because even though I've had it, I can still be a carrier and not show signs. And so I've been a wide open book through the whole process, right? How, how has it been for clients to hear it? Like what's been the general reception? Some of it's been good. I don't, again, I don't, I'm not going to argue with someone politically or judge them for not being vaccinated or anything. It's, they know what my policies are in office about that. If you haven't been vaccinated, I need you to wear a mask. And if you haven't been vaccinated, I definitely will wear one to protect you, that kind of thing. But, but I, I can say that in several instances, it has made a difference. I've had people on the fence about the vaccine and I've been able to share that experience with them a little bit and they've decided to go ahead and get the vaccine. So that for me was the strength. It's it's a lot like when I sit with addicts, being able to share with them my experience of addiction is really important, right? The session is not about me. It's not about, oh, this is how great I am. I'm clean 33 years. It's none of that stuff. It's just, I know what it's like to suffer through this and I'm living proof that it's possible. Yeah, because there's nothing so special about me that you don't have that. You can do this too kind of thing, right? And so that's kind of the perspective I took with COVID is as someone who has been through it, I can share that with you if I feel it will help you in that space. Otherwise, we don't really talk about it other than just saying, okay, I need to make sure that, you know, we get everything scheduled or rescheduled right. And I would say, you know, (laughs) I'm out for two weeks because I have COVID and, you know, things like that. So how do you sort of adjust on the, I guess, in the day-to-day, because it seems like the symptoms can even, it can kind of ebb and flow, right? So I don't know, even like practically, right? Let's say, I don't know, on Wednesday, you've got a heavier day because you were feeling fine like the week before. It's funny because Wednesdays are my heavy day. So (laughs) yeah. So I mean, what happens in a situation like that? Like, do you just, you try to gut it out or do you tell clients like, hey, Yeah, I'm kind of stubborn that way. I try to power it out. But then I also, you know, my wife is wonderful in that she knows 
if we are one car family, like I don't see the sense in having two because I'm I'm sitting on my butt 10 hours a day, you know, seeing clients and stuff. And and so she basically comes pick me up at the end of the day and she can tell when I get in the van if I'm if I've had a rough day. And so at that point, she's like, okay, I'll do dinner tonight. I'll take care of this. I'll take care of that. And so she's really allowed me the space to just say, I need to go home and just vegetate in bed in front of the TV for the next three hours. Right. And so that's really how I have handled it is, you know, there's that thing in in hospitals that they've learned about opiates. And that is that when they give people the little push button that they can use, you know, that is, yeah, they delivered, no, they delivered their own opiates and the button will only allow delivery every so many hours or something. But what they found is that if people have control of their own opiate medications, instead of having to buzz a nurse and ask a nurse, they use less because simply knowing that is available allows your resilience to move up, right? And so it's the same with having a wife that you know, when you get off work, she's going to be like, you don't have to do anything else. We're fine, right? And that I get off work and I can rely on her to be there. And so my resilience for the rest of the day can be raised a little bit through that. Makes it a little easier. Yeah, it's amazing to have, you know, partners and uh, that, you know, that have that level. The support system has been very important, right? Yeah, I was going to, I mean, that was the other piece I was going to, I heard it. Yeah, it's like, it's one person dealing with these symptoms, but ultimately it affects the entire system. And so you really have to, you know. Because there've been times my daughter has needed help with something and, you know, she's now a junior, if you can believe that at at, uh, K-State. And so, you know, every now and then she'll call up and I'm the guy that gets her through physics and math problems, you know, and she's like, uh, dad, I have this physics problem. And there are days when I've said, you know, my brain is just not going to function that way today. And she's been very understanding. So it does take a team around you of people who are willing to allow you to be less than they have expected you to be in the past. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Robert, the last question I had for you was, so you said the last like couple of weeks, especially this last week and this week, you've noticed like a tangible change, right? Does that feel like it's like a significant, like this is really getting better or like? No, no. It's like, yeah, I'm, I was like very, really curious about like what. I think what, what has happened is I've finally gotten used to a new system that is helping me function better. It's not, the symptoms are really not that much better. And the minute I think they are, you know, it's kind of like when we get older, we think, oh, I can do that. And then our body says, remember you're old now, right? <laughs> so long-term COVID is kind of like that. The minute I start feeling better and I think, oh, I can do that. Long-term COVID says, no, no, no. Remember, you still got me. And so, (laughs) but what I've gotten better at is using my calendars and implementing a structure that is better. And then like I was telling you earlier, I have Samuel L. Jackson yelling obscenities to wake me up in the morning. So I start with a, a bit of humor and that helps. That gets me off on the right foot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All of those are great. I mean, I think the one thing I, I sort of hear in that is just like re-examining systems and even, I mean, even something as basic as sort of your Google calendar, right? Like setting it up and having these notifications and all of these things. And maybe there's more things that you did before, but just realizing this is a new normal. And 
I mean, before COVID, I had never used any of the reminders on my iPhone. And now Siri is an in- integral part of my team. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I set reminders for everything now. And, and I never used to do that. Never needed to. Robert, I'm, I'm just so grateful for you. Grateful for your courage and being able to share this because I know a lot of us are like curious, especially as we either go back to the office or we may have clients that are experiencing these long-term symptoms and or we have loved ones that are experiencing it. And because it's so new, like I think so many people have questions and I'm really just grateful for this time and space just to hear this like real world experience. And I know that you know, I speak for everyone that's listening to the podcast. We really wish you just good health and a continued recovery. You know, we really are just cheering for you and cheering you on. Thanks for having me on. And if there are any listeners out there still on the fence, get the vaccine. This is no trifling event. Yeah, absolutely. Where can we learn more about you and the, and the good work that you're doing in the world? Um, we have recently switched to nonprofit status and created a nonprofit in my son's name. And it's called the Tristan Jevons Center for Recovery. And you can find us at tjrecovery.org or TJ Recovery on just about all the social media platforms. Awesome. Uh, Robert, thank you again and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks a lot. Bye. Hey there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Robert. And especially if you've been wondering and just curious about uh, COVID long hauler kind of symptoms or if you're experiencing them, I hope that today's podcast session has been informative and just gives you a different perspective on things. I know that, you know, I don't know that I have anything even particularly insightful to add to this conversation other than, you know, I I just, I mean, one, I was just so in awe of the courage of Robert because I had reached out to him because this was a conversation that was starting in our community around long-haul COVID and dealing with clients and what are sort of some of the best practices and all of those kind of things. And I just thought, you know, this would be a good conversation to have. And Robert was just so open. And I was trying to be like super mindful because I know, uh, you know, Robert has shared and he shared in the interview that his energy levels kind of uh, ebb and flow. And I just wanted to be super mindful to not like tax him too much. And I'm really grateful, Robert, Uh, for this time and just sharing just such a different perspective on things. Robert's website is over again, over at uh, tjrecovery.org. And uh, Robert actually has a pretty amazing story about why he started uh, the Tristan Jevin Center for Recovery. So he mentioned um, his son on that podcast interview and his son passed away from an overdose and he decided to create this, the Tristan Jevin Center for recovery uh, this year, this past year. And so he's doing some pretty amazing work. And so definitely uh, pass along clients and all of those things to Robert. He's just a good, a good, good human being and just an awesome clinician. Show notes to today's episode can be found directly on uh, the description page or the description of today's episode, uh, which is if you just pull up your phone and hit the description thing, you get all the little notes. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new 
workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Have a great rest of your day and uh, I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.